Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'm always on the lookout for anything to share with you regarding how we can love smarter in our friendships, family relationships, and certainly when it comes to romance. Recently, I came across something and right away, I knew I wanted to address it on the podcast because it relates to questions that I get a lot. Like, what should I be looking for when dating? What qualities indicate that a person will be a committed, solid, loving partner? And I often get asked, well, how did you know that Dan was the one? Which, by the way, Dan and I answered this question in episode 89, and we went into even more depth and shared some very personal stories about our love story in part two of that episode, which is a private episode just for my inner circle, all of you on my email list, which I so appreciate. And part of my thank you is to give you guys private episodes where I get a little bit more personal and go into more depth. So if you're interested in that content and that story in particular, I will include it in the next email coming out this week. Head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and hit the subscribe button. Back to today's topic. So there's a tension there because love is supposed to be magical and hard to quantify. And yet, of course, we want to love smarter, not harder. We want to look at the research that shows us what makes great, happy successful connections, and we want to be part of that. So today we're going to talk about the top five traits you should be looking for in a partner. And when it comes to talking about lists like this, I'll be honest, when I was dating, I didn't like this kind of stuff. It smacked to me of, here are the things you need. And I resisted that because I thought, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I need. We're all unique individuals. I also didn't like when people said, write down a list of what you want to manifest your person. And I didn't like that because I didn't want to box myself in. I thought if someone amazing comes across my path who doesn't appear to be the person that I think at this moment that I would be good with, I want to be open. And I also didn't want to be superficial, like he's got to be such and such height and he's got to do such and such job and he's got to have such and such hobbies. I didn't want to be like that. But when it comes to traits that we know are grounded in psych research and we know the science shows will help us have those successful, loving, committed relationships we're looking for, then it makes sense to try to concretize this nebulous thing called love and these nebulous dynamics. So when I came across this framework, I thought to myself, I want to share this with my community. Dan joins me to provide a male perspective to these traits. And then at the end of the episode, I answer a listener's question about differentiating between intuition and your inner critic. The top five traits to look for in a partner after this. If you're in the market for a graphic designer to help you with, well, a lot of different things, I highly recommend Sarah Jordan of Pixel Bash Designs. 
Sarah has a lot going on. She's a web and graphic designing, video editing, social media managing, doodling sticker maker with an Etsy shop. I reached out to Sarah when I wanted to convert some of my fave hashtags into a sticker sheet. Make it happen, take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life, of course, and true love is worth the wait. Sarah was a dream to work with. She took the time to fully understand what I was looking for and then quickly created super clever and on-brand graphics. She went above and beyond what I'd hoped for. Check out Sarah's Etsy shop and Instagram at Pixel Bash Designs for your next graphic design project. Dan is back to join me today. We're going to talk about the top five traits to look for in a partner. And I came across these five traits of maturity, and they were unrelated to relationships per se. But of course, my mind kept going back to the parallels. And I started thinking about, again, the questions I get, because sometimes we try to understand what went wrong with a partner or why it wasn't quite the right fit. As I was examining these characteristics of maturity, it occurred to me that, oh my gosh, we absolutely have to have these in a relationship in order to have true intimacy and that deep, loving, committed connection that we are all looking for. These are by Dr. Stephen Marmer. He's a psychiatrist at the UCLA School of Medicine, so all credit goes to him And of course, I wanted to bring in the male perspective. So Dan, welcome to the program. Hi, darling. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. We've got some sleeping pups here in the studio. So if you hear some snoring, it is neither Dan nor I. It is a puppy. Well, a a dog. A couple hounds laying up on the bed. (laughs) So let's dig into this stuff because I think it's another concrete model that those who are on the scene trying to understand, like I said, what should I really be looking for? What's going to lead to that deep connection I desire? And also, I think it's helpful to go, oh, that's what was missing with my last relationship. Because obviously, every relationship we encounter is valuable, even when we get our butt kicked and our heart is broken and it hurts. And you guys know, I've been there, felt that so many times. But every relationship is valuable if we're able to learn from it, recognize what works for us and helps us move forward with more clarity. Yes. And and it's super tough to have a meaningful relationship, a lasting relationship, unless both people are mature. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think oftentimes we don't factor that in. And I hear it a lot in the space on Instagram. People will talk about some guy and, oh, he's a narc. And I'm like, "Mm, is he a narc or was he just selfish? just a jerk. And in this case, to bring it back to the theme of today, is he just immature? And I think that's often, sadly, what's going on because we are taking longer to grow up. And as a developmental psychologist, I'm aware of the research that looks at after adolescence, there's a, a psychologist called Dr. Jeffrey Jensen Arnett. And he talks about, we don't go into early adulthood even after adolescence. We go into what he calls emerging adulthood. So we're taking longer to grow up, which in some ways is great because We're taking that time to be independent, to figure ourselves out before we're committing to our life partner. But on the flip side, I think some people in the dating realm may be frustrated with some of the 
folks out there because they're not dating grownups. <laughs> Maybe that's going to be a post. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, it, and things have changed culturally a little bit, too, where you find people staying at home longer with their parents, mm-hmm. you know, being, you know, some are more independent um, because, you know, they're doing they're trying to experience life. But there's many that aren't. Yeah, for sure. And looking at these five characteristics, I think we'll be able to make those parallels between maturity in general and maturity within romantic relationships. Let's start with the first one Dr. Marmer talks about, which is taking control. And in this case, he talks about taking charge of your life, which is so on brand for love and life, because of course I focus on the taking charge of our thoughts in order to take charge of our life. But he applies this to every realm. He talks about we're not waiting for anyone to save us, which is another really important key element. Sometimes women can get into a space of feeling I'm lonely, I'm tired of being single, which is all legitimate to feel. But if we're looking for a relationship, a man to save us from feeling despair or feeling despondent, that's not taking control of our lives. That's putting the control into someone else's hands. And I'm all about empowering women. So we empower ourselves by taking control ourselves and not turning that control over to anyone else. Well, yeah, even as simple as choosing your friends. And so, mm-hmm. so what, what type of crowd do you run around with? Are they positive? Are they encouraging? Or are they in a negative space that is helping to keep you there? That's so true. And I talk about the importance, especially for my single ladies, of having a great posse of single girlfriends, but they've got to be empowered and positive. I have a friend from my single days who, when she met me, we started running around. We were playing tennis together. We're still very, very, very good friends to this day. And one of the things she said right off the bat, which struck me, it was a a lovely thing to say, but she'd been around some negative Nellies. And so when she met me, she said, I just love being around you because you're so positive. And both of us were in our late 30s and we were single and I just called off a wedding and There were moments that were rough, very rough, but I loved that she gave me that compliment and that it felt good to know that taking control of our emotional state and helping to lift each other up was making a difference. And I think, I don't think it even matters what age you are. I'm certainly you're more impressionable when you're younger, but if we're around an environment long enough, we become a product of it. Yes, so true. And if you're around people who are in that victim mentality, and everything happens to them, and they're always pointing the finger, and they're waiting for someone to save them, as Dr. Marmer's talking about, that's not only going to be an influence that's going to bring you down and disempower you, it's also, according to Dr. Marmer, it's immature. So I hadn't thought of it that way as, as a lack of maturity, but yeah, uh, it's I a, agree. It's a, it's a choice you made. To- yeah. Yeah, it's a choice. You yeah, this maturity stuff, it takes a very intentional approach to life. And bringing it back to the romantic realm, I've told this to many people, but I don't know that I've shared it on the podcast. When we first met, I was 40. You were 46. You'd gotten married in your early 20s and lived in the suburbs. I was a city girl through and through. I looked at our lives and for 20 years at least, I think our upbringing was pretty similar, but our adult lives had been quite different. And I remember initially going, wow, that's a big divide, a big divide. You with three kids and and a conventional life in the suburbs and me, city rat. But what I learned that relates back to this point is that you'd had deep disappointments. A marriage that doesn't work out is a 
massive disappointment. It's up there probably with the top disappointments that we can experience in life. And yet you hadn't approached this next chapter from a place of victimhood. And I had also had a lot of disappointments, especially getting back to the realm of love with calling off a wedding and multiple adult romantic relationships not going the distance. And yet when we met at Eno Wine Bar, Michigan Avenue in Chicago, first date. (laughs) The great night that it was. The great night that it was. Neither of us came to that moment from a place of disempowered, I've been hurt so badly, I blame my ex-wife, I blame all those ex-boyfriends. We didn't come with that energy. And I would submit that if either of us had, we wouldn't be here right now. So putting that toward Dr. Marmer's framework, I believe we were both approaching life despite the disappointments. And in your case, especially a divorce is profound disappointment, hurt, pain. You were still taking control of your life. You couldn't control what had happened in the past But now moving forward, stepping into this next chapter of your life, you were taking control, which I admired. And it was definitely something that drew me to you because I sensed that energy. Well, and I was drawn to your independence and you have taken control of your life in the city, not having uh, your family close by, just having a good group of friends and having the confidence to succeed and, and live your life. Thanks, honey. (laughs) Next, point two, according to the framework, is taking responsibility. So that's kind of similar. But here, Dr. Marmer fleshes out responsibility in two sub-factors. A, the first one is if you make a mistake, take responsibility for it. And I know my listeners have struggled with an ex or someone they've been in a relationship with, as you pointed out, this isn't just about romantic relationships. Our friendships are part of this as well. But when someone just won't fess up and just say what we used to say in my day, my bad, and move on. (laughs) Right. Well, it's so easy too, if you're a sensitive person, that if you make a mistake and somebody's upset with you, to just just kind of go into a shell or get mad back at them. When the, the more mature thing, easy thing to do is just say what exactly what you said. My bad. I, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't think that through. I made a mistake. I'll try to, to not let that happen again. And I know that that is hard to do. And it again, that's why it's a hallmark of maturity. Maturity isn't easy. Dr. Marmer talks about physical maturity happens as long as you have the nutrients you need to grow, your body will develop. But emotional maturity takes intentional effort. And it takes effort to own your mistakes and make amends. And the second factor that makes up taking responsibility is willingness to take on obligations. And these could be in the personal realm and the professional realm. And I remember when we were dating, asking you probably something like, did you ever skydive? Something like that. And your answer was, no, I probably would be interested in doing something like that. But once I had children, I couldn't. And I was really struck by that. You said I had people counting on me. Yeah. Well, and I would think that that most people would probably be like that. There's no reason to to take risk that that you don't need to when it comes to a life and death risk. Mm-hmm. Certainly when you've 
made an obligation to a wife and to children and Mm -hmm. you've got a lot of people counting on you. Yeah. And I think you're like, well, most people would be like that, but I know a lot of the women I interact with, they are interacting with men who are not taking obligations seriously. And even things like when my, my listeners will say, well, he didn't text me throughout the day and it's an early on in the relationship. I try to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe he takes his job very seriously and he doesn't take text breaks every 15 minutes, right? I'm trying to frame that. Is it possible that you have met a mature man who takes his obligations very seriously? And let's look at that as a positive. Right. And even something as simple, I I remember back after having kids, I didn't used to always wear my seatbelt, which which sounds kind of crazy now, Now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but back then... um, yeah, just, you know, it was uncomfortable. I didn't want to wrinkle my shirt or whatever. I had a meeting I was going to. And then after, you know, I think I saw a show one time where um, somebody died and didn't have their seatbelt on. I just thought, how would it be explained to mm. my kids that I didn't love them enough mm. to to wear my seatbelt? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean to meet, <laughs> have this be a... PSA? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is not a PSA. This is for, not a PSA for I think belt. it's illegal in most states now and it wasn't like that 20 years ago so right yeah <laughs> but yeah wear your seatbelt. i'll make it a psa <laughs> let's connect on social i'm most active on instagram where i post original quotes infographics and i tackle trending topics in my love smarter not harder igtvs on Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson April and on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. The third characteristic of maturity, according to Dr. Marmer, is containing emotions. So as a psychologist, and then Dr. Marmer is a psychiatrist, We, of course, are very, very well versed in emotions and very aware of the importance of paying attention to your emotions. Your emotions are a signal. They are something within us that's letting us know what's going on, sometimes out of our awareness. So, of course, it's not about denying your emotions or pretending they're not there, but it's containing them in the appropriate contexts. What do you think? Well, yeah, because the older and more mature you get, the more mature situations you're going to be. And so whether it be a, a business meeting or, or whether it be a conversation with mature adults or even, you know, at a sporting event, you know, where where maybe, um, you know, if the, if the Chicago Bears lost, maybe when you were young, you used to cry. <laughs> it probably would probably be better not to do that now. <laughs> I used to stay away from my brothers when the Bengals and Reds were playing. I was like, OK, if they're losing, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to go up the street to my girlfriend's house because they would be angry young boys. <laughs> <laughs> right. And to your point that you were mentioning before in regards to, you know, someone maybe not getting back to you immediately you know, via text or it's it's really easy to get in, in a headspace and get emotional about somebody not doing something you expect them to do uh, when you're in a relationship. And it's just, it's always best to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt to just take a deep breath and, you know, move on to something else. Think of something else so so that you don't go there and so that Mm -hmm. you don't get in an emotional bad space where then you could blurt out and say, why the heck didn't you text me for the last five hours? Or, (laughs) you know, you know, something that just, just uh, starts hard feelings. 
It's containing your emotions, exactly as Dr. Marmer says. It's it's making sure you don't start spiraling, ruminating and getting into this space. Sure. And then all kinds of crazy things are going on in your head that may or may not have anything to do with reality. Right. And another thing I like about this is something else that I stress. And it's very hard to do when you're dating. A lot of people in the dating relationship space will say, here, ask these 10 questions in the first couple dates and get your answers. And I was never a big fan of that dating personally, because I could ask you, I could have a, here's my list and all right, Dan, what do you think about this, this, this? But you could tell me whatever the heck you wanted to tell me. We have to lay back and watch the person and getting back to emotions. We have to lay back and watch how does he handle when the bears lose? How does he handle road rage? How does he handle when he doesn't get the account that he's been working on trying to get? I couldn't have asked you, hello, Dan, it's date number two, and I need to know how you're going to manage when you don't have success in your business. You just have to watch people. And this drives us crazy because dating is annoying because some of it we can't rush. We want to get these answers and we want to know, should I invest in this person? Because if I shouldn't invest in this person, I'm out and I don't want to get my heart broken again. And it's not possible. Some of this emotional stuff to watch how someone is, do they handle their emotions with maturity? You just have to take the time to observe them in many different contexts. Well, in social settings, for instance, and so it was important for me to see you interact with my family, to see how you interacted with your family, to just understand how mature you were. And and I'm sure you were doing the same thing with me is how is this person a fit for me with my personality, with their personality, how they interact with a variety of people? You know, we've always heard the the thought process. How does someone treat their waitress and, and waiters? Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And as we know, that can be pretty telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because, again, I wouldn't have framed it as maturity. But it was Mm -hmm. what I was looking for. So again, bringing it back to anyone on the dating scene, I really wanted to bring this model to the podcast because I thought this is another important angle, way of looking at dating. You are looking for maturity and you should be looking for maturity because I can tell you I've been in relationships with very immature men and they are not fun. They are hard. They are work. And I always tell you guys how easy our relationship is, Dan and my relationship. I say that. I'm hoping to inspire you to have that belief that it's out there for you too. And I love this this way of understanding it and conceptualizing it as a maturity. We're looking for a mature human being with whom we can partner. No one's leading the way. No one's dependent utterly on the other person. We're walking hand in hand through life, enhancing one another's life, but not having to be all and all in each other's lives. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast, and I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page, and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. 
Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May, tim at loveandlifemedia.com. Number four, having perspective. Dr. Marmer reminds us that every disappointment is an opportunity to learn to gain perspective, to get stronger, to remind yourself, okay, I've felt bad like this before. I got through it before. I'm going to be okay again. Even though right now I feel like I'm in the pit of despair, it won't be for forever. I know because I felt this before. I made it through before and I will make it through again. Well, that's right. And I think that the more life you live, you you get a, a perspective on things like happiness and also what you can do and what you can't do. You know, what you can control and what you can't control. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a tangent, but off on on that note, I know that I tell my kids when looking for a relationship to look for the acronym is HIK, H-I-K. Somebody who is naturally happy. We all know the more perspective we get in life that you cannot make another person happy. Not on a consistent basis. You can help enhance their happiness, but it's not your job to make them happy. So it's so much easier when the person you're with is a naturally happy person. And then the I stands for, so HIK, H-I-K, I is intelligent because it, it can wear you out if, if you, you feel like that you're the, the one always making the decisions, always need, needing to think through and solve the problems. So it's great to have a partner with great intellect or at least you know, nice intellect that's as good as yours, let's, let's say. And then finally, um, kind. And I think this one is sometimes a little harder to find. But someone who has a kind soul, been raised right, or maybe they just have naturally been empathic, but to have that kindness, that just makes things so much easier so that there's, there's not that, that harsh exterior or interior that, that makes things all that much more difficult. Well, and it speaks to values, doesn't it? And we talk about this all the time, and I share this with my listeners as well, because there's so much research that couples that have happy, successful, strong, peaceful, loving, joyous marriages share common core values. So kindness would be an example of that. Some people, they walk into a room and it's about trying to impress everyone, trying to let everyone know that I'm the smartest person in this room, or maybe they don't feel so good about themselves. So they're posturing. And let me tell you all this thing I just did. Let me tell you this. And to us, that's not kind. We don't. And I watched you. Exactly right meet my friends and go into a room full of people in the city who you've never met and you led with kindness and a warm smile, which research shows, sidebar, but related. I just posted this this week, that one of the main things you can do to enhance your own happiness is to smile because when you smile, your brain gets triggered all the feel-good hormones. Even if you're not feeling good in the moment, you can make yourself feel better with smiles. And another study They looked at the photos of kids in college, and then they tracked these kids longitudinally. So the kids who had the widest smiles reported having the happiest marriages later in life, which I thought was like, score. That's crazy. Because you and I are cheesy grinners. We we don't (laughs) apologize. We have big old smiles, and we flash them all the time. Because again, that value of, I want to enter this room and be warm. 
and let people know I care about them and I'm listening to them. And a smile communicates that. And I know that's one of the very first thing that in your blue eyes and your very hot body, but your warm, big smile was one of the first things that I saw and it drew me to you and it demonstrated a value that you wanted other people to feel comfortable around you. And that's huge. Well, I think that's the first compliment I ever gave you in the first <laughs> two minutes that I met you is how beautiful your smile was. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's research based people. <laughs> If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns. We'll target limiting beliefs and thought patterns. We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. This last trait I love because it's very therapeutic. Dr. Marmer talks about achieving deep understanding of people is a quality of mature people. And he says it's empathy, like a level up or a level deeper of empathy, trying to understand the why behind a person's thought processes and behaviors. So bringing it back to relationships in a marriage, it is critical and crucial. And we do this all the time. I'm thankful that obviously I was trained in it when I was in school to become a therapist. And Dan, as a sales guy, has been also trained to try to understand the customer-salesperson relationship from the customer's vantage point. Kind of like we said a moment ago, Dan doesn't walk into a sales call and go, okay, bada-bing, bada-bing, I got stuff for you. He goes, what does this customer need? How can I serve my customer? How can I make his job better? How can I make his life better? And that skill set is in our marriage. It's profound, especially for us. And we're going to speak about this later in an Insta Live because you guys had questions about it and legitimately so. So Dan's divorced with three kids. I've never been married. Those are very different vantage points as we spoke to earlier. And so I enter this world and Dan did a great job of understanding and trying, having that depth of understanding to the extent he could, what it would be like for a single woman to come in and all of a sudden have teenage stepchildren and how there would be awkward moments and frustrating moments. And I don't know my role here. This is really crazy. He did such a great job. And if he hadn't, it would have been very difficult because those are just big grown up realities. And I hope that I do the same for him. I hope that I'm able to try to look at our relationship, his life, our life, life together through his eyes from that level of understanding. Well, one thing I think we do is that we're never really afraid to talk it out. Some things aren't easy and some things that we, you know, we'll sleep on maybe, but, but I think fortunately we both came into the relationship with a maturity level that what's the worst case if, if we just talk it out, right? <laughs> it, we're, we're at least going to feel better that we got something off our chest. And if we did it in a kind way, which I think 99% of the time we do, then, um, th- then it always, it always is a step up, at least from where it's at. And it may not be solved immediately, but it's, it's on its way to being solved. 
And I think that's really key too. And it speaks to this quality as well, because people always say communication's everything. And I disagree. Communication is crucial, but it's the how. And I always laugh because I'm not a morning person at all. So if Dan says, he flips on the lights and says, good morning, which he never does. <laughs> like in a normal tone of voice, I'll be like, stop yelling. Because <laughs> I'm such not a morning person that he's literally saying, good morning, sweetie. I'm like, you're yelling at me. <laughs> so it's me being dramatic, right? So getting back to the point, it's the way we communicate. So in the morning, he gives me a nice little rub on my back and good morning, sweetie. And then I can receive his genuine, kind, loving, well-wishing of my morning. I can't receive it if it comes at me in a different manner of communicating. And that's a silly example to make a bigger point that when we are communicating, if it is a frustrating thing, we have to come at each other in a gentle way, at least for us. Neither of us are super combative by nature. So if we approach each other with, hey, this is how I'm feeling about this. This is how this felt for me. That's a lot easier for me to receive than if he comes to me, well, you did this and you did this and you did this. It's like, well, when this happened, this is how I felt. Those I statements are key. I want to make the conversation about communication broader because it's not just communication is key. It's how we communicate. I completely agree, sweetie. Because <laughs> I'm a little tender soul. <laughs> you are a very little tender soul. <laughs> a little delicate soul. flower. <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Marmer brings this back to relationships because he believes that unless we have the ability to achieve that deep understanding of each other. We cannot have true intimacy. So he brings it to the relationship realm specifically. And I said, oh my gosh, that is so true. We need maturity to have true intimacy. And it's funny because some of you are going to say, no, I was intimate with my boyfriend when I was 14, 15. No, whatever happened then was puppy love. Let's be honest. We can't have, Erickson talks about this in developmental psych, we talk about you have to have your identity formed before you can have true intimacy because intimacy necessitates two people who have a strong, firm, cohesive identity, sharing that identity authentically, vulnerably with each other. Until we fully know who we are, we can't have true intimacy, which speaks to this as well because we can't have intimacy unless I fully know who I am and you fully know who you are, and we are endeavoring to understand each other. That's right. That's right. And I think the more kind conversation, even even though it might be in some cases um, a disagreement, then I think you gain more respect for one another. You get to, The more you know the person, yes. if you're with the right one, then the more respect you have for them and the more intimate you can be with them. And respect is key. We could do an entire podcast on that as well. But it comes with the maturity. I respected right. you because of the five qualities we've talked about today and because your maturity was attractive to me. As a woman, it felt safe because I knew that you handled your emotions and contained them. And I wasn't going to be scared to walk into a life with you where I'd be yelled at. And many women get that because they're with a man who can't contain his emotions as a mature man. And so he goes on a rage fest and she's feeling scared. Mm. And that's horrifying. So these are qualities that allow us to feel safe, that we can trust one another with our hearts and our souls. Thank God. Yeah. So let's go get that kind of relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this has been helpful. Let's recap real quickly. Number one, taking control. Number two, taking responsibility. Number three, containing emotions. Number four, having perspective. And number five, having the ability to achieve deep understanding of other people. 
Dan, thank you so much for joining me. It's been fun to have a little powwow here, and I hope it's been beneficial for the listeners. It's been a pleasure, sweetie. All right. Love you. Love you. And now for one of your questions about how to know whether you should trust your intuition or if that voice is more your inner critic. Hi, Dr. Karen. My question is around being able to differentiate between my inner critic and my intuition. I've recently been love-bombed and during that period where he was selling me the, the moon, I had some doubts around some of the things he was saying and some of the things he was doing, which I believe was my intuition. But then I was thinking maybe it was my inner critic because I was struggling with my self-worth and self-belief. So really what I would love to know is how to differentiate both and actually be able to tune into my intuition and quieten my inner critic so that I can focus on hopefully being happy. This is such a great question. I'm so glad you're asking it because more and more research is coming out to substantiate the reality that we absolutely need to trust our intuition. The whole trusting your gut is something we've known for years. Women's intuition is a thing out there, but we oftentimes, we don't trust it because there's nothing to put our finger on. It's not concrete, but the research is showing that in fact, we should trust that inner voice. But your question is so valid. How do I know if it's my intuition that's saying, huh, you said he was love bombing you and right when he was love bombing you and selling you the moon, as you put it, there was a part of you that voice was saying, this doesn't feel real. It feels like too much too soon. It feels phony. But the question is, is that your intuition protecting you or is that your inner critic doubting that you're worth what he was saying, that self-esteem piece you spoke to? The fact that you were asking that question in that moment is strength. That was your intuition telling you, hey, time out, press pause. This is too much too soon. So my initial response is that your intuition was working well. You doubted it in the moment, partly because you weren't sure if it was your inner critic and also probably because it felt good to have all this attention. There's a part of us that just wants to fall in love. It feels good to have that attention and someone adoring us and saying all the things that we want to hear so badly. And there's nothing wrong with that. But getting back to the intuition component, your intuition was telling you exactly what you needed to know. And I encourage you that moving forward, you listen to that intuition and don't see the doubts therein as your inner critic. So what I'm guessing happened is your intuition was going, no, this is too much too soon. He can't possibly know me well enough to be feeling what he says he's feeling. And then part of you went, is that my inner critic trying to say I'm not worth this, that I'm not worthy of it, that I don't feel good enough about myself? So that this is really me disparaging me? No, that was the wise part of you. And it really wasn't about whether you're good enough or not good enough. You're good enough. You're worthy, but he doesn't know that yet. And your intuition said, you know, even if he's being honest, he can't possibly know me well enough to have these feelings yet. I did a post about this recently on Instagram, so I'd encourage you to check that out. And in the post, I talk about how to avoid getting love bombed. And it's all about the pacing. 
We can't get bombed if we don't let the relationship accelerate. We don't give ourselves our time, our emotions, our energy, our bodies before we have a commitment. So we don't allow things to move too quickly. We keep the pace. Dr. Duana Welch talks about this extensively in my podcast interview with her. It's episode 92. It's about the science of dating from her book, Love Factually, 10 Proven Steps from I Wish to I Do. I highly recommend that episode. She speaks to how we take control, we empower ourselves, we present ourselves in the dating realm as what she calls high-status women, and part of that is pacing. And finally, I want to leave you with a technique, a little love and life hack for figuring out whether that voice in your head is indeed your intuition or your inner critic. So I would encourage you to examine exactly what the thought is that you're telling yourself. So for example, he says something wonderful about you and your thought is, he can't possibly feel that way. Then you dig a little deeper. That could be your intuition saying, That couldn't possibly be true. He can't believe that about me yet because he doesn't know me well enough yet. Or it could be the mean girl inner critic saying, he can't possibly feel that about me because it's not true. So we have to dig a little deeper beneath the statement that we're saying to ourselves. Look at what we're saying to ourselves, and then examine what's beneath it. And we find that other message beneath the statement we're telling ourselves with one word, because. He can't possibly feel this about me because I'm not that great. I'm not that exceptional. I'm not that extraordinary. I'm not that special. That's inner critic, mean girl. Or he can't possibly feel this way about me because there hasn't been enough time yet. He doesn't know enough about me yet. He hasn't seen this about me yet. So that one word because can help differentiate whether or not this is an inner critic comment or an intuitive comment that you are telling yourself. And I hope that helps. The love and life hack for this week is maturity is sexy and it allows us to have happy, high functioning, sustainable relationships. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Thank you so much for joining me this week and always on the podcast. Get the inner circle info by signing up for my email list at loveandlifemedia.com. I'm rolling out in the next couple of weeks some support groups, a book club, and you, if you're on my email list, will be the first to know. Space will be limited, so keep an eye out for those emails coming in the next week or two. And until next time... Make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.